guy in the sound room. I don't know what they're made of. I don't know what they're about. What I told you, what I said earlier is we've, we've, uh, we've commissioned. Yeah, I know that. I know that. We have commissioned Don and Kim as missionaries. 20 years they lived in the UP. Hey, you think you got trouble? My daughter called today. Four inches of snow this morning. Come on. Yeah, it's a little bit different up north. Brother Bach, I, I know you understand. Although I preached in Alaska, and I was shocked at how little snow there was. And, and some other Upers lived there, and they told me, said, hey, you know, the fact is, uh, the UP gets more snow than what we get here, there, in Fairbanks. You know, I know that's inland, so I might, might change things just a little bit. Psalm 51, if you'd turn there, the 51st Psalm, I, I want to tell you something quickly about an effort that is going on. Michigan has changed. When I grew up, when I surrendered to preach in the, in, in the uh, mid-70s, even at that time, there were between 80 and 90 Baptist Bible Fellowship churches. That's an independent Baptist circle. Uh, there was uh, around 400 GARB churches. That's an independent Baptist circle. There's what we call today IFBAM, Independent Fundamental Association, Baptist Association uh, of Michigan. And I think there's right around 80 to 100 uh, of those. And then there's all the independent Baptist churches like, like us and maybe like you that are so independent they'd make the Lone Ranger look like he runs with a crowd. Uh, all, kinds of, all kinds of churches at one time proclaiming the truth. Singing out of the hymnal, right. having an altar call, right. honoring God with Christ-honoring music, and preaching good Bible, and being very evangelistic, and things have changed. And, and I said all that to say this, we need revival in Michigan. And some other men have gotten, gotten a hold of that vision. I'm way up north thinking, man, maybe I'm the only one, you know. And uh, so, so it started in southeast Michigan last Mother's Day. And a group of preachers got together, and it began to grow. They had several prayer meetings. The last full week of June this year, we are having a statewide revival. Independent Baptist brethren, independent Baptist churches making up the core. Now we're reaching out to other groups, but that's the core. The four preachers are already picked out. We're going to have a massive uh, uh, choir made up of choir members from all these different churches. Right now, I think the momentum is picking up. We're somewhere between... Uh, 50, uh, 50 and 70 churches right now involved. Here's what's going to happen. Please be praying. Some of us have been praying all winter long. Our fear is that we're going to have, the, the, it'll be a week after the meeting and somebody will say, oh, I didn't, I didn't even know that was going on. So we're all doing our best to spread the news. First Wednesday of every month, we've been praying and fasting uh, all over the state as different individual local congregations. We're asking God to move in Michigan because, folks, the days are desperate. This may be what happened last November in the election. That was a reprieve. That wasn't revival. That doesn't fix America. Please don't think that. Not, not at all. If we're going to have revival, I believe, and others believe, it has got to happen now. We've been twiddling our thumbs too long. There have been, there's been fighting among the brethren far too long. I'll testify. I've seen men in the same prayer meeting, sitting at the same table, kneeling at the same altar, that I never thought I would ever see work together. It's amazing how God is working among the fundamentalists, among our independent Baptist brethren. The revival is going to start. We've picked out three. They, pick, they have. They picked out three locations. It's actually going to move right up I-75. I want to say this. It is a revival conference. I've got, I've got postcards and some posters in the back. It's not an end in itself. It's meant, and we're praying that it'll be a catalyst. It's not for the preachers. 
It's for the lay people and the preachers. They come to this conference and they get on fire for God and they take that, that, that fire back to their local congregations. We're asking God to do something in Michigan and the only answer for it will be God himself. We want it to be that big. We are praying for thousands of people each of these three locations. The first part of the week, it's the last week of June. The first part of the week, the meetings are going to be at First Baptist Church of Bridgeport. I know for you that's way up north. Uh, and then after that, uh, the middle two days of the week, it's going to be in Gaylord at Grace Baptist Church. Then Friday night, Saturday, and, and Sunday afternoon, it's going to be at Fundamental Baptist Church up in Kinross. We're visiting preachers everywhere. I, I don't know, Pastor, had you heard about it prior to this week? Okay, all right, so we've got to just spread the word. Please be praying. I, I, you know what? Be faithful to your own local church. I, again, it may end up being more praying than preaching. We've got special music. Everything's lined up, but it's God. There really is no man heading this up. Who's the microphone? Psalm 51. Now, yeah, I'm ready to preach. Now, now, now it goes away. 38,000 people in our county, 160,000 people in your county. We got to get it together. Too many souls are in the balances. Maybe you've heard the story, I, maybe you haven't, about the guy that was uh, out visiting. He was a salesman on the road, and he stopped. And he loved the Lord, man. He wanted to go to church, so he came to the First Baptist Church. He, he drove up to it. He drove up in the parking lot, full parking lot. I thought, this is going to be good. He walked into the church and uh, was going to come in the front doors of the church and find himself a seat in a large auditorium. And uh, a man stepped, old, crotchety, old usher. Nothing like the ushers you've got here. Nothing like the deacons you've got here. He said, hold it right there, young man. You can't come in here dressed like that. I said, what? He said, you can't come in here without a tie. He said, well, I'm, I'm out of town. I wanted to come to church. I just stopped at the first. And, and, and I want to come and worship and, and hear the word of God. And he said, oh, no problem. You can't come in here without a tie. So I don't have a tie. So I went back out into the parking lot and searched through his car, looked through the back seat, looked through the trunk, couldn't find it. All you could find was a pair of jumper cables. Walked into the walked into the church at same old crotchety usher said, Hold it, hold it, you can't come in here without a tie. He said, I got a tie. It's a tie. The old guy looked him over from top to bottom and said, Okay, I'm gonna let you in here. But don't you start it. <laughs> Hey, you laugh at my jokes, or you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home and tell my people you laughed at my green, green bean joke. And they'll think, they'll think you're real. Something's going on there. Right? I'm going to attempt tonight to start something. Uh, and, and, and maybe you, you are like me, and, and you think, I told you earlier in the week, I observe people. I, I, I like to observe people. I, I really do kind of enjoy that. Uh, and, and people are pretty much the same all over the world, different names, different faces, but man, man, th th they are all the same. And it might be that you've gotten to the place where you think something's missing in your own walk with God. And that's what I want to preach here this evening. And, and you've come to the place where you realize that that old run-of-the-mill religianity, it's not going to work anymore. And that's why young people are walking away from the church. That's why people are become, becoming disillusioned. That's why people get bitter along the way. Someone mistreats them, they get a little bit bitter, and they walk away from God, and they walk away from the ministry. Because, because all, we're, all we got is this run-of-the-mill religion, this come-as-you-are, leave-as-you-were 
Joel Osteen kind of Christianity. By the way, never trust a preacher that gets a perm. Right? I'm going to throw that out there to you too. Don't ever trust that kind of preacher. Remember what I said about fundamentalism? That's where it's at, all right? Psalm 51. Let me read before I, before I pray. Why don't you stand with me out of respect for God's word? Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Man, without mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly that from my, from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightst be justified when thou speakest and be clear when, when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. You know how hard it is to even read the scripture without preaching? Verse 9 says, Hide thy face from my sin and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation." And uphold me with, with, with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. And sinners shall be converted to thee, unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. And you understand David knew what he was praying and singing when he said that. David was guilty of three capital crimes that he deserved to die over. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering, and a whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon the altar. God in heaven, we come to you tonight, we that are gathered here at Loomis Park Baptist Church. This is a New Testament church. This is a church that you have ordained. This church is put here strategically by God to glorify the very Son of God and to reach the world for Christ. Would you help people in this congregation to get a vision of the World Mission Project, their effort? God, we ask for your blessing upon the people of this church. I pray for that one that's gotten a little bit cold, maybe a little bit cynical, maybe a little bit repetitious. Maybe tonight they live in a land that's distant from God even though they have all the outward trappings. God in heaven, would you speak to that heart? Do a wondrous work. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Book of Psalms is the hymnal of the Old Testament. David, the great and sweet psalmist of Israel, writes some inspired words here. Words for you and for me. 
David had been away from God, out of fellowship with God, for at least, after the sin of Bath with Bathsheba, at least 18 months. For 18 months he prayed and nothing happened. For 18 months he went to bed and wet his pillow with his tears. For 18 months he carried the guilt of sin upon his own shoulders. And he wanted it to be like it used to be. Maybe you are here tonight and you attend church faithfully. You read your Bible systematically and regularly. And God feeds you. You are one that is a soul winner and a witness. You testify. And yet, it's like God is a stranger. Something is missing. I was going to preach last night. I said there are two things missing from most New Testament Christians. Last night's message, which I did not get to preach, was the prayer closet. There are over 375 references to prayer in the Word of God. As a child, the people of America believe, 87% believe that God answers prayer. You know what the average Christian, how much time he spends in prayer or she spends in prayer every day? One minute. One minute. It's like there's no prayer closet anymore. Last night's message, I was going to elaborate that. I was going to preach Luke in chapter 11. Let me just give it to you in two more sentences. And, and please, please just get it done. This is what you got to do in order to have a prayer closet. Number one, schedule a prayer closet. Schedule it like you schedule a time to brush your teeth. Make a time to get alone with God. There's very little praying going on in America other than God fix my car and God give me more money. Very little praying. Number two, live in God's presence concerning prayer. That's the praying without ceasing. Prayer is not a show. Prayer is not Hollywood. It's you communing with God in your prayer closet. It's you living in the presence of God and whispering prayers all day long. Number three, when, you come time to pray, when it comes time to pray, adore him. Acknowledge your sin. And ask God for great things. If you're not doing that in your prayer life, you're probably not praying right. Adore him. That ought to be the first thing that happens. God, I love you. God, thank you for being so good to me. I'm so unworthy. I know that I'm the last person you ought to bless and, and, and you ought to listen to, but here I am again, God. And I'm coming by way of your son, Jesus Christ. I'm coming boldly before the throne of grace, and you're the great God of heaven. Thank you. And then and acknowledge your sin. Confess your sins. That's what Psalm 51 is all about. And then pray and ask God for great things. 51st Psalm. Let's get right to it. I'll tell you what's missing, by the way. It's the prayer closet. God's people are not praying. If my people which are called by my name shall pray, shall humble themselves and pray. Man, it's, it's right up at the top. The average Christian praying one minute a day, that's hard to comprehend. Then you got to pray more, more than that and just ask God to bless your food. There's no praying going on in America except praying to consume it upon our own lusts, that kind of praying. James said, you have not because you ask not. Oldest book in the New Testament. Pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Very practical book. He said, man, just ask God for things. Pray to God. Ask God for great things. There's no praying going on. The second thing is this. We are not 
We are independent Baptists. We're saved by grace. We understand that once we're saved, we have eternal life. We're saved forever. It's a forever salvation, or it's not salvation at all. It isn't, I, I, I get saved by faith, and then if I do something wrong, I lose my salvation. That's works. You're making that religion. You're making your works. We are saved because of the mercy of God. We're saved by the grace of God. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and you know, I understand that. You understand that. But here's the thing we do. We do this too often as, as Baptists. We believe in eternal security. So God, please forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and save me. And give me eternal life. Amen. But we never confess and let us yeah. You know, we, we, we know that everything is good. We're going to heaven. But we don't confess. He that says he has no sin is a liar. And the truth is in First John 1, 7. Whosoever covered his sins shall not prosper. Could that be your life? You just, you know, do a little sin, you sin every day. Sins of omission, sins of omission. But listen, you're going to a good church, you hear good preaching, you've got a good pastor, you listen to good music, and, and things are going real well, but things are just really drying up in your life. Maybe you're not praying, number one. Number two, maybe you haven't confessed your sin in a long time. Maybe you think you don't sin anymore. Maybe you think maybe God kind of turns his back and just kind of, just kind of puts up with it. You know, you take that dirt and you sweep it under the rug, and, and then you head out to church. And the next day, you sweep some more under the rug, and you, and you go out and do work for God. And you sweep some more under the rug, and pretty soon it's like, man, you're a little bit out of touch, a little bit distant from God. You're in a great big hump underneath the rug in your living room. Confess that sin. You confess that sin, he'll make you clean. He'll cleanse you. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, what a precious promise. I think in the New Testament church family, we are not confessing our sins like our forefathers did. It's like we lost, we lost sight of the holiness of God. We have lost sight of how great God really is. And we just kind of go, and day after day, it just kind of piles up. And, and, and there's more just kind of being swept aside, and we're ignoring it, we're, we're, we're wondering why we're the power of God. We're wondering why we're asking more people to come to Christ and our own personal witness and testify. Could it be that your sins that separated you from God? Now, you, you won't lose your salvation. We know that. That's a fact. You do not lose your salvation. But you can break fellowship with God. God's still a holy God. David was experiencing this. He sinned with that sin. And God's own heart. Man, I don't think him in the peace. I don't think anybody in you know, but for the grace of God, there go I, and there go you. We are all a broken people. Everybody in the church is a Every church in heaven has pains. Every pastor knows what I'm talking about when I say this. You have a family visiting your church, and they're all dressed right, and there's mom, and there's dad, and there's little kids, and there's family, and they can dance with normal family. This could be really good. You know? But even they, they have pains. There are bad people because we are broken people. David here cries out, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Mercy. We got one hope. It's mercy. That's it. Without mercy, Tim Raider has no hope. 
I was just, I was just loving on God today in prayer in my, in my hotel room. I, thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for giving me a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. God, help me to be compassionate. God, help me to, be a, help me to see this world through your eyes. Help me to remember as a pastor, everybody is broken. Everybody is broken. Man got saved Sunday morning. I think I alluded to him early. People walked the aisle. Every service in our church, every service for 36 years, it's been amazing. It's all God. It's all God. It isn't always the same people. People come forward and get saved. People get saved on Wednesday night. All of our ministries are very evangelistic, and we teach and preach the whole counsel of God. We try to give them all the Bible we can, and, but, but, but always going to be evangelistic. The man uh, is the sheriff's son in the new sheriff in Chippewa County. He was sitting, we don't have a center aisle. We've got a side aisle over here. We have five aisles. And he's way back there, and he's on, he's on the aisle. And, and I see him in the back. He's a big, tall, 23-year-old young man. I'm trying to remember his name right now. It's Josh. And he's got earrings. He's got taps everywhere. And I'm, and I'm thinking, man, this guy needs Christ. I preach the gospel. And, 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 and I, I'm preaching to everybody that's there. Comes time for the altar call. I say, you come right now if you want to receive Jesus. Oh, I, I, first of all, I made eye contact with him. He came. I said, man, would you come right now during the altar call? We're going to do it in just a moment and receive Christ your Savior. He looked at me and said, yes, I will. So altar call, he came right down the front. I didn't know who he was. I, I didn't know what his background was. I, I, haven't, I haven't visited his dad yet. I've been down here all week. I don't, I don't know what the story is, but Josh got saved that morning. He went with a personal word. We've got some great soul winners in our church, and, and I put him with Jim on purpose. He's one of our lay preachers. Jim kept him in there for 50 minutes. Sometimes I worry that Jim's trying to give him everything at one time. But he come out, and he said that, and he, his words, I got it. I understand. It all makes perfect sense. I say, I say, you die right now, you go to heaven? I'm, I'm going, mercy. Mercy. That's what it is. That's why Tim Raider's going to heaven. And if you're going to heaven, it's mercy. David has nowhere else to turn now. He's messed up with Bathsheba. He messed up his life. Man, things, terrible things have happened. Nathan the prophet said, David, thou art the man. David's angry at first. And, and then everything has fallen apart. 18 months. Think about this. The man after God's own heart for 18 months minimum. Some people think it's closer to two years. Out of fellowship with God. The sweet psalmist of Israel. The shepherd king. The warrior king. So in love with God, God says, there's a man after my own heart. But he didn't know where to go. And he cries out to God, have mercy. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Remember, he's committed, he has broken, and is worthy of death three times over. He's the king. What are we going to do? David cries out and says, God, you're my only hope. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. I see David with that cursed stain of sin on his hands, on his life. He'd done a terrible thing. Adultery. Had Uriah, the Hittite, murdered. Everything's fallen apart. He brings this judgment upon the royal family. Israel who's the nation of the world, now everybody's laughing at him. This stain of sin is all over him. 
He said, God, I, I need you. You're, you're my only hope. My one hope. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightst be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. One hope for David, one hope for you, one hope for me. And of course, that's mercy. That's the grace of God. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. Titus 3.5. If you're here tonight and you are not sure of heaven, you are here tonight, you do know this. You know you're a sinner. And, but you're not sure of heaven. Listen to what the Bible is saying here tonight. Listen to God, the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there's one Savior. His name is Jesus. He is your only hope. He's the only one that can wash away your sin. If you'll come to him, repenting of your sin, if you'll confess your sin to him, if you'll just say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need a savior, that's why he came. And he will save you this evening. Baggage and all, warts and all, no matter how much you're broken, he'll put it all back together. Know this tonight. We serve a wonderful savior. Jesus Christ is the best friend I have. I could never have anybody. I know I don't have anybody even close to him. He's the great God of heaven. He's forgiven Tim Rader of all of his evil. I know how black my heart is. I know some of the thoughts I have from time to time. I know I sell people short. I know I, 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 I push people away and my heart says, well, that one's gone. Forget him. Jesus never does that. What a wonderful Savior. And listen, no matter what you have done in your life, Jesus will forgive you. And your name tonight can be written in the Lamb's book of life. If you'll repent of your sin. That's just a sorrow of the soul. That's turning from your sin and turning to God. You're not telling God you'll never sin again. He knows our frame. We're sinners. That's why we need a Savior. That's why Jesus came. You know, a good definition of repentance, Peter Cartwright said this. He illustrated it this way. I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. Repentance. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. It's just changing directions. It's not you that does it. Jesus is the one that saves. He's the only one that has the power to forgive you of your sins. You'll receive, listen, this is good. This is good Bible. You'll receive the imputed. That's a Bible word. Right out of the book of Romans. You will receive the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's why I'm going to heaven. Not because of Tim Rader's righteousness, because of the righteousness of the Son. When God the Father sees Tim Rader, a sinner saved by grace, he sees me through the prism of the righteousness of his Son that is righteous, Jesus Christ. Imputed righteousness. I'm not going to heaven because of anything I have ever done. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. And I just simply put my trust in him. He's the way to get there. It's that simple. It's that real. He's made that much difference in my life. I'm way ahead of myself here in Psalm 51. God has one desire. Verses, verse 6 says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. God's one desire, David knew this, was purity. Phoniness is repulsive to God. Hypocrisy is repulsive to God. Remember how he treated the Pharisees. 
They were so self-righteous. Why should we think we're any different? Listen, if you're living the life of the hypocrite, that's repulsive to God. David had been living the life of the hypocrite. He said, I, I know what you desire. Truth in the inward parts. Purge me with hyssop. Great Old Testament terminology in hyssop being that, ended, that, that bush that they use to, to sprinkle the blood. And by the way, it's the application of blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. That's the promise. He said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. You know what it is to be clean? You know what it is to have everything taken care of? Nothing between you and God and heaven. That can only come by way of the blood. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. And he had been chastised. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And this is Old Testament, of course. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Understand what David's saying. God, Make it like it used to be. God, would you, would you lead me again? Would you shepherd me again? You know what it is to be led and fed by the hand of God? You know what it is to just get up every day to serve God? It's not hard. I, I said earlier this week, God isn't looking for talent. He's not looking for personality. He's not looking for a certain level of IQ. Praise God for that. How would youpers get in? I mean, how, how would it happen? He's not looking for good looks or a Hollywood smile, none of that. He just wants us to be faithful. You know, if you love God the way you ought, everything will be taken care of. That's come out a couple of times this week. One desire. Verse 14. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. One Savior. Over and over again. 400 times in the word of God. There's one way to heaven. It's not the law. The law couldn't get it done. Not because the law is bad. The law is good. It's because man is bad. It's because man is broken. Couldn't attain the law. I can't tell you how many times I've asked people, how do you think a guy goes to heaven? How do you think you'll go? Well, by keeping the Ten Commandments. Oh. Can you name the Ten Commandments? I've never yet met one that could. What hope do you have? Listen, it's either Jesus or you're not going to make it. He fulfilled the law. Man, there's some good stuff. We could, we, could, we could look at some passages. Let's look go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews in chapter 10. We've got enough time for this. The superiority of Christ is all over the book of Hebrews. Verse 1 says, For the law, having a shadow of good things, I'm in verse 1, good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. Listen to the, to the writer of the book of Hebrews. Listen to what God's saying. The law does not perfect sinners. There's a continual sacrifice. It goes on over and over and over and over again. Verse 2. 
For, for then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins? But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of the sins every year. Listen to this. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. It just covered them. Didn't take them away. Religion doesn't work. Religion gets no one to heaven. Verse 6. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I am come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. And above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then, he said, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, underline it, once for all. There was one Calvary. We don't need to crucify Christ anew and afresh, uh, afresh every time we gather together when a little bell rings. He died one time. He went to the cross. He bled out. He dismissed his spirit took the sin curse to the grave, he left it there, and after three days, he himself rose again on the third day. And we worship a living God. The handwriting of the ordinances that was against us was nailed to the cross. The Bible says in the book of Corinthians, he became sin for us. He was our sin bearer. No more blood of bulls. No more blood of goats. That, that, that Old Testament sacrifice just was a temporary covering in faith. The Old Testament child of God offered a sacrifice in the tabernacle or in the temple and in faith. They looked ahead to the day the Lamb of God would visit this world and die on Mount Calvary. And in faith, they put their trust in the coming Messiah. Now, 2,000 years after Calvary, in faith, we know that Jesus has come. We know that he is the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And in faith, we look back to the risen Savior, the price he paid on the cross, going to the grave and then rising again from the dead. And he's a living God. Go back again to Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 11 says, And every priest, every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Jesus is enough. David understood he had one hope. He broke the law. The mercy of God. He understood all God was looking for was purity of heart. He understood that there was one Savior. I got good news for you. You don't have to sacrifice thousands of blood sacrifices. You don't have to be baptized so many times your skin wrinkles up like a prune. Man, you don't have to help little old ladies across the street. You can't add one thing to the salvation Christ has provided. You just come as a sinner and receive him. And he'll accept you. I'm telling you tonight the best way I know how. If you're not saved, come on in. The water's fine. 
I'm telling you the best way I know how, if you're just a little bit, if you're out of fellowship with God tonight, come on in, the water's fine. Go back to Psalm 51, right towards the end. Psalm 51, verse 15. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good, and in thy good pleasure unto Zion build thou the walls of Jerusalem, constantly praying for the work of God and the people of God. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. What God desires is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. As I view the church of Jesus Christ, I think there are two things missing in the average church and hence in the average New Testament Christian. Those two things are this, the prayer closet. That takes discipline. It's hard work to pray. You've got to schedule it. In that prayer closet, adore God. In that prayer closet, acknowledge personal sin. In that prayer closet, ask God for great things. Some of us, the God we pray to is way too small. We limit God with our lack of faith. Remember what he said? Size of a mustard seed, you move mountains. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I look at Michigan and I think, what's going on? Man, why, why isn't this state on fire? with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some have gotten discouraged. Some have kind of gotten, there are too many Baptists in the bleachers and not down in the field. There are too many on the bench and not on the field. They're, they're held up. They don't even want to get in the game. They're not on the field. One thing that's missing is a lack of prayer closet. I'm not a prayer warrior. I pray. I try to pray. I try to live in the world of prayer. I spend time with God, telling him how much I adore him and I'm thankful for him and, and thanking him for his grace and his mercy. And ask God for a great thing. I'm telling you, I don't pray enough. The second thing that's missing, check this out in your own heart. Among God's people, personal confession of sins. Plural. Yeah. Every day. Right. As soon as I sin, God, I'm sorry, good. Or God, I turn from you. Did it on purpose. Sorry. We just kind of all under grace. And we are. And it isn't just maybe that, oh, not even put in the last book of life. Born again, but great fellowship. Therefore, prayers aren't answered. You're living. Does God feel distant? Is God million light years away. You know he's there. You know he's a good God. He's helped you before. He's answered prayers before. You know what it is to be right with him. The joy of living when you're right with Christ. But that's not where you're at tonight. Something's missing. Here's a novel thought. Among God's people, talking to the saved, how about we pray again? How about we confess personal sin again? You know, like 
the old timers used to do. Oh, this is the year 2017. This is the 21st century. We don't beat our chests and wail and cry out to God. I think we need to. I answer this. For Michigan, leaving God out, how's that working out? Look at our state. Leaving God out of, your, out of your personal life, out of your family, out of your household. How is that working? Is it working well? The obvious answer is no. We need God. David said, God, have mercy. You ever verbalize that? Has God ever heard you speak those words? God, have mercy. I'm a wicked man. I'm corrupt. I know what I'm made of. The preacher shared a verse in our travels today out of Isaiah 38, I think it's 13, maybe it's 17, where God put the sins of Hezekiah. God said, I put those sins behind my back. He confesses them, they're gone. They're gone. Are you right with God tonight? It's a mission conference, preacher. What are you preaching like that for? Because if we get clean, God will use us. If we have revival in the church, we'll be as mission-minded. We'll be so mission-minded, it'll make other people around us sick of hearing about it. And the blessings of God will fall on a mission-minded church like on no other kind of church. And, and God will open the windows of heaven. And you know what it does? It reproduces. There's going to be more and more and more of that going on. Please, I, I didn't come down here from the Upper Peninsula to tell you that we know how to do everything right up there. We don't. I'm not telling you that Fundamental Baptist Church is everything it needs to be. It's not. I'm telling you we're all a broken people. And we need to gather around the throne. We need to help one another in that effort. Oh, God, have mercy. Father, tonight we come to you right here from the